right, good morning, church. Let's open in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can uh, gather here on this Lord's Day and be together as a church that we can worship you, sing praises to you, uh, sing in response and pray in response to your word handed down to us uh, in this scripture. Thank you that we can spend some time here uh, reading the scripture, reading it aloud, uh, and responding to it. I pray that these words uh, that I'm about to preach would be uh, glorifying and edifying to you and the church, uh, and that they would be words to build us up, build the church up, um, and that they would be for your, your glory and uh, your glory only. Uh, I pray for our dear brothers and sisters who are out sick right now. I uh, pray that you would be with them physically and mentally and emotionally, uh, that you'd give them the rest and recuperation that they so badly need right now. And um, yeah, we pray all of this in Jesus, your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so this morning we will be in Colossians chapter 1, so if you want to turn with me, um, I'm going to read starting in verse 1, but we're going to focus most of our time on verse 9 on. So picking up Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed to the whole world is bearing fruit and is increasing, as it, as it also does among you, since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the gracious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. 
and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, at the fullness of God, was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right, so today, being the start of a brand new year, 2022, uh, one does, as one tends to do at the start of a new year, pause and reflect and think back over the last year and, and the year to come, uh, what they would like to see. So while I was jotting down some notes yesterday, I uh, was looking at just the area of prayer in my life and, and wanting to, to grow more in spending uh, deep time in prayer. And so I thought this verse here, especially uh, starting in verse 9, would be, would be a good one to, to tie that together as we kick off a new year uh, and have some prayer as a church. Um, so this verse here, verse 9 through 14, are really a summary of the prayer that Paul and Timothy have been praying for this church that meets in Colossae. Now Paul, while he did go around and plant a bunch of churches, it appears that he did not plant this church here in Colossae, but he cares greatly for it. And we can see that right off, that he cares and feels a certain responsibility for this church here. And we see that in this verse that says, and from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you has not ceased to pray. So it was in constant prayer for this church and feels such responsibility and love for that church that he is constantly going to the Lord in prayer for this church that meets in Colossae. And I was thinking, how often do we end up talking about God and spending time as a church or as friends or family talking about God, but not talking to God uh, and not turning our hearts to him and going to him in prayer like we see Paul here uh, providing that summary of what he has gone to God in prayer for, for this church. And this is definitely not a one-off situation for Paul. Um, we see that this is the normal state of affairs for him. So I have a few other examples that we're going to build on. So reading Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank God through Christ Jesus for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may, know, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. And then to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, and in all knowledge. Uh, and the, the last example I'll pull here is Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and in your love for, towards all the saints, 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in knowledge of him. So all of these examples, we see Paul really praying and caring so much for these churches that are spread throughout the world. And we see a similar theme through all of them, and it's the main theme that we see uh, in our text here today. Uh, and that main theme is that he's praying for the church to be filled with the knowledge of his will and the spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul really wants this church in Colossians to be filled with that knowledge of God and the wisdom from him. There were some cultural pressures for this church in Colossae. Uh, we don't know exactly what they were, but there was this pressure to pull that church away from the gospel. And it was uh, especially tempting for them to be swayed by good arguments, a quest for knowledge, and philosophy. We see in Colossians 2, uh, verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and the empty deceits, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. So philosophy, plausible arguments, questions, human traditions, all of these were pulling the Colossians away from the true faith. We don't know the specifics about what those temptations happened to be, but it doesn't sound much different than it is for us here today. We're fighting that same battle. There's nothing new under the sun, as we're seeing through our Sunday school lessons through the church history. Philosophy, LGBTQ, whatever, love and acceptance, me and my Bible only, no need for the church, all of these pressures pulling people out of the church and away from the true gospel and the faith. And so how does Paul want to counter this for the Colossians and then for us as well? It's by praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God. Uh, he's praying for their hearts as well as for their minds. He's praying that they would be filled with this. Uh, we see the problem of not being filled with this knowledge uh, way back in the Old Testament when you look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. The Lord says, My people were destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest for me. And since you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. So here in this passage, the you is referring to the priests because the priests have forgotten the knowledge of God and have left God's knowledge. Uh, God has rejected them. They've forgotten God's law, uh, and they have left the true faith. And we know that this isn't just for the priests. It's not just for pastors. It's not only Jonathan and Jeremy's responsibility to worry about the truth, but it is a personal responsibility for all of us as well. Just an example from Psalm 1, uh, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So blessed is the man who meditates and delights on the words of the Lord, meditates on them day and night. Delights. This is a joyful endeavor. Uh, it's not something that's out of compulsion uh, or done out of spite, but it's something that they delight to do. Uh, there is a great joy in that. So 
A quick recap, though, is what is this knowledge? Uh, what, what is this that we should be filled with? Well, it starts all the way back at the very beginning of our scriptures, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, there is a God. We are not him. He is the God who created the entire universe. And when he created it, he created it good, right, and beautiful. He created it to give him all the glory. And in that creation, he created male and female. He created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They sinned. They decided that they wanted to become like God. And in that rebellion, they, they left that uh, perfect relationship that they have with God. And all of us here in this room are of the line of Adam. So we have joined with him in that sin, in that rebellion against God, in that stealing God's glory for our own. And God gave us in the scriptures his holy and perfect law that we should be following and a call for us to give him all the glory of all things. But we have continued to rebel all through history since the time of Adam till now. We continue to rebel against this perfect law and this perfect word that God has given us. But God was great and gracious to us. And he sent a Savior, a Savior Jesus Christ, who we got to celebrate the birth uh, just last week with Christmas. Uh, Jesus, born of a virgin, not of the line of Adam, but of, uh, but being truly God and truly man. He lived the perfect life that each one of us is called to live, following all of God's law. He lived that life, that life that we are called to live but could never live, that we can't live up to because of our innate sin. He died the death that each one of us deserves to die, and in that death, taking God's wrath for our sin. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again, defeating sin and death, uh, and has now extended grace to each of us so that we can stand before God as redeemed people, not of our own works, not because of work that we do of our own account, but because of who Jesus is and because of the life that he lived uh, and taking that sin and that punishment in our place. So that is the knowledge that we are digging in and wanting to maintain in our hearts and in our minds. And as we grow in that knowledge and continue to dig in to all the intricacies that are laid in there, uh, we start to see a result from that in our life. And we see that here in Paul's prayer as he's praying for this result. Starting in the second half of verse 9, he prays that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul's prayer here is that they would be filled with that knowledge and that spiritual wisdom, not just for the sake of building one up in that knowledge, but that they would also have a changed life, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And as you walk in this manner worthy of the Lord, it becomes visible. It's a natural outpouring from your heart through your actions that can be seen, that you would be bearing fruit in every good work. So first, our hearts are changed, and then our actions follow from there. The seed is planted in our heart, and the fruit that grows from that is our good works. And where your heart is, there your actions will follow, whether for good or for bad. Uh, we see in Galatians chapter 5 a, an outlay of 
all kinds of different actions, both for the good and the bad, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the work of the flesh is evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Since this is a new year, uh, it's a natural time to pause and reflect, to look back through these lists of different fruits, the good fruit and the bad fruit. Uh, That's something that we don't tend to do often in our culture, is pause and reflect and be um, introspective of our lives and, and the lives that we see around us too helping hold each other accountable to the good fruit uh, and to help pull brothers and sisters out of the bad fruit. Uh, So as we spend time pausing and reflecting, you think about what good fruit you have seen from the outpouring of your own heart. What ways has someone else's actions helped draw you towards God? What ways have you been encouraged by a fellow brother or a fellow sister? Uh, And in what ways do you have to grow uh, as a believer? And don't be afraid to examine your life and your actions. Uh, There is nothing to fear about looking into your life uh, and seeing what is going on. Um, Going to read here Matthew 25, uh, chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. This will make sense in a second. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, that you know neither the day 
Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, pulling on a thought here from Martin Lloyd-Jones, these five foolish uh, virgins that we see here are being very selfish. Um, Lloyd-Jones says, they desire the privilege, they want the pleasure, they want to be present at the feast, they want to be, they want to welcome the bridegroom and enjoy the banquet, and they want to enjoy all that is involved in it. But obviously, they are not interested in anything else. They have their eyes only on the benefits. This attitude is always the chief characteristics of a false professor. That is, a false professor of our faith. There are people who do not want to go to hell. They desire to be blessed by God, and they want to enjoy the blessing that God has to offer for his people. They covet all the blessings of Christianity, but they do not want anything else. They do not want any responsibility, and they, do not truly, they are not truly interested in the faith. They do not think it out. Such individuals uh, are not wanting to search their heart. They don't want to search their actions and, and be held accountable for anything. They don't like sermons or books or scripture that is going to call them out to do so, to search their heart, search their actions. They end up saying stuff like, of course I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I always go to church. And that's where they leave it. They become like these foolish virgins, assuming and not examining their lives. This is key here, though. It's not this work of righteousness. Uh, it's not those virgins who were ready and prepared and have the oil. No, we are only saved by God's grace through faith. But we also know that faith without works is dead. Uh, so we see that we are called to respond in our faith to actions. We are called to think through like those prepared virgins and be ready, be ready to welcome uh, the bridegroom and step in to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Uh, we are called to take action, but action that is consistent with our hearts and our minds and consistent with Scripture. And so we see here, as this parable ends, it says, watch therefore. So watch, examine yourself. What is your fruit? What, what does that say about the roots that is in your heart uh, as it grows out into that fruit? What are your beliefs? at your very core. Now, no, there's not some defined number of fruit or some checklist that you can go through and check and say, yes, I have now accomplished all the good fruit in my life that I have been sufficient. We see here in our verse for today, there is an ever-increasing knowledge of God. It's not some defined journey. It's part of a destination and the journey all the way there. It's a continual process that is always increasing for us. And this is what Paul is praying for the Colossians, uh, that they would be increasing in this knowledge of God. And while they are increasing in that knowledge, that they would be strengthened, he says here, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So humans have rebelled against God and have been cursed when Adam and Eve were cursed. Uh, and as a result of that, our life has not been easy. That curse has stayed with us every day. Uh, there's going to be trials, struggles, pain, and sadness. Uh, but 
We don't have to go through all that struggles and the pain and the sadness alone. We have our church here, and we also have God, the very God who created the universe. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, that God. We have him on whom we can rely. I think back to the end of our First Peter study, First Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. God loves you so much that we can cast our cares onto him. Our littlest problems or our biggest life crises, all of it we can cast onto God. Uh, and he is there with us and loves us. Remember, he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for those sins and to take that wrath, that God's wrath that we then do not have to face. So be strengthened by this fact, strengthened by God's grace to live this life of faith and be given the endurance to continue living this life and going through uh, this fight, finding our ultimate joy where? Not in things of this world, but our ultimate joy found in God. And giving then thanks to God for all things. And this is how Paul then ends his prayer here uh, in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. As we walk through these verses, we are reminded that it is God who saves us, that it's nothing that we did of our own actions or our own volition, but it is only God who is capable of saving us. And it's all because of what Jesus did, not because of anything that we do of ourselves. God has qualified us here, qualified us to be adopted into his family and receive that future inheritance. He's delivered us from our sin and our due punishment for those sins. And he has brought us in, brought us in as heirs into the kingdom of Jesus Christ uh, and in whom we now have that current redemption and our future and final redemption and forgiveness for sin. So Paul is praying for the Colossians that they would increase in their knowledge of God, in his knowledge of his will, and in full understanding of who he is. And as a result, they would have a changed heart. Uh, and that changed heart would cause their lives to start showing the actions that are commiserate with that changed heart, becoming more and more pleasing to God and bearing good fruit and good works. He prays that God would provide them strength and endurance in strength and endurance to live this life and a life that is filled with joy and is pleasing to God. And that they would be reminded that it's God, ultimately God who does all of this work, and that it's not anything that they as the Colossians do, or we as Emmaus Road Reformed Baptist Church that we do while we are meeting here. And so it's a great reminder for us. Uh, it's great that we can gather here as a church family, that we can spend time praying, uh, Greg praying earlier as the pastoral prayer, praying for the church as a whole, uh, that we can pray again and again for each other, pray for our biological families, pray for our church family, uh, and pray for our friends and our city. 
And we can use this verse as our call to action and as a model for us to follow as we pray and as a call for us to examine our lives, for us to pray in response to God. Pray for yourself, family, and church. Meditate on God's word. Examine yourself where you fall short and where you need to grow. Hold yourself and your friends, brothers, and sisters accountable. Grow in your meditation on God's word. As we saw in the psalmist, it said, meditate day and night. Let these words fill your heart with the spiritual wisdom and understanding. And let that spill out of your heart into your actions, uh, and that your actions would become visible and evident to all. That we would see life-bearing fruit given. That we'd be relying on God for our strength. Not our own strength, our own willpower, but that we'd be relying on God and His grace alone. Building in that joy of His salvation and giving thanks to God for that salvation. That salvation from the domain of darkness and from that sin into Jesus' holy and perfect kingdom. That we are saved through His life, His death, and His resurrection. So with that close here in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this example of Paul um, and just uh, how he's able to capture here uh, a summary of his constant and continual prayer for the church in Colossae on how we are benefactors of that same prayer, uh, that we can use that as an example and as a call for our own prayer and our own growth as a church. I pray that uh, our hearts would be moved to this year continue to meditate on your word, that we would spend the time meditating on your word and not on the ways of the world, that we would uh, dig in and want to increase in our knowledge and understanding of you and of your perfect law and of Christ, your kingdom, and that we would uh, be more pleased and more joyous to spend time there uh, and dwelling in your kingdom than we would living in the sins of this world, that we would seek to better understand that, uh, wanting to uh, dig into your word, read your scripture. Uh, we are so thankful that you have provided it for us, uh, that we today can read in clear English your words, um, that we can understand them, that we can stand here as a church family reading these words and being encouraged by them, and that we can preach in a way that is clear and understandable. Pray for our hearts as we uh, go out from here, uh, that we would be continued to pull towards you, and that our actions and the fruit of our lives would uh, be evident, evident in the church, uh, evident where we are weak and lacking, and evident where we are strong. And I pray that as a church body, we would be willing and able to hold each other accountable to uh, those places where we fall short, and also encourage uh, each other in areas where we are um, excelling in showing your good and perfect law. And uh, yes, we pray all of this uh, and for our hearts as we go out from here. Jesus, in your holy name, we love you.